Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show that helps you lead better where God has placed you. I'm Andy Peck. I'm sure the word scripture union means something to you. Its initials, SU, have been synonymous with material designed to help younger Christians grow in their faith. You may remember back to the days when it was known as CSSM, Children's Special Service Mission, which began encouraging children to read the Bible systematically, hence Scripture Union. Or maybe you have attended one of its beach missions or holiday clubs. Perhaps your church has used its all-age curriculum, or maybe you've read the Bible using the daily bread notes. Well, this year, Scripture Union celebrates 150 years since its start, and I'm joined on the leadership file by the National Director, uh, Reverend Tim Hasty-Smith. Tim serves as the House for Duty Vicar of Bilbury with Barnsley and Winston in the Cotswolds, and combines that role alongside his work as National Director of SU. So welcome, Tim, to the leadership file. Andy, good to see you. Um, your, your journey to becoming National Director, first of all? Uh, I don't think I had any aspiration to do that at all. My background was, um, I got ordained when I was in my mid-twenties into the Church of England. Um, uh, But I'd always had a desire to work with children and young people. Uh, I came to Christ as a teenager myself. uh, And it had always seemed to me that it was a wonderful area to work. Uh, And so I worked uh, at a student church in Oxford. I then became a school chaplain. uh, And then rather to my surprise, became a headmaster for 10 years. Uh, and um, it was as I draw into the sort of end of that time uh, that I really wasn't quite sure what I was meant to be doing next. Uh, and through a series of really quite unexpected uh, sort of changes, I found myself invited to take on the role of National Director of Scripture Union, which was an, a, a sort of setup I knew about but didn't know very well. I'd, be, I'd been involved in Scripture Union camps for many years, uh, but didn't really know Scripture Union until I found myself as its National Director. Well, uh, and so you you were ordained and then, then you became a headmaster. That must have been an interesting... Um... Uh, change for you? I think th- th- there's always been that sort of uh, connection between education uh, and the sharing of the Christian faith uh, in, in days gone by. Uh, many, many head teachers of schools all, all over the country were ordained. Uh, that that ch- has changed in recent years, obviously. Uh, but where, where I'm a vicar, sort of right in the middle of, sort of the rural Cotswolds, where sort of, you know, Dibley meets Midsummer, uh, I, I sort of find myself with a, with a little school of sort of uh, about 35 children, which is bang next door to the church. Uh, and, that, and that sort of, if you like, I guess historically, uh, what used to be the case where education uh, and the church are very closely linked. Yeah, yeah. Splendid. Well, I mentioned a little of SU's heritage in my introduction. It was fascinating for me to discover. I knew some of the language, but I, you know, to actually uh, read about the, the history of, of, of Scripture Union. I mean, I mean, in, in its day, SU was quite a radical movement, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it came about, um, I mean, so it's our 150th sort of birthday this year. Uh, and a guy called Josiah Spires, who was a sort of office clerk, really, um, he taught in a Sunday school, but always found the Sunday school was quite dry and... Um, just had this sense that he wasn't really reaching the kids uh, with, the, with the Christian message. Uh, and he then found himself listening to a guy called Payson Hammond, who was an American preacher, and came to realize that uh, a, a child, a young child, could have a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So rather than just talk to them about God, uh, kids could actually know God personally. And that completely uh, revolutionized his whole perception uh, of what working with children and young people was about. Uh, and so back in 1867, he started having some Bible studies in, in Islington. Um, and then the following year, he found himself on a beach in Clandidno. Uh, and um, he, he, he was getting bored, and there were some kids on the beach who were looking a bit bored as well. 
And um, because he was a natural sort of teacher and storyteller, he began to tell them stories about Jesus Christ. And uh, they sang some songs, and um, they designed a sand text on the beach, sort of spelling out God is love, using sort of stones and shells and seaweed. Uh, and um, the following day, the kids all came back again, they did it again. And by the end of the week, uh, he thought it'd be really great uh, to have a service on the beach. And very recently, uh, an act of parliament had just gone through called the Children's Special Services Act. And in the Church of England, it gave uh, clergy the, the uh, right to have services outside of the church building, which oh, up to that okay. time, Mm. Anglican vicars didn't do because it was seen as sort of dangerously sort of Methodist, and, right? Uh, sure, yeah. Dangerously radical to do that sort yes, of thing. Yes, yes. Uh, and and so um, Spires went to see the local vicar in Clandidno and said, "Would it be all right to have a, a service on the beach?" And the vicar said, "Yep, that's fine." So uh, Spires had this uh, beach event, and about five hundred people came along. Uh, and that, for Scripture Union, symbolically, although that was actually 1868, a year after he started his Bible studies has become kind of a symbolic start point because it was about taking the gospel to where the kids were rather than waiting for them to come to you. So rather than waiting in a church for kids to come to you to hear about Jesus, you go to where they are and share the gospel with them there. Wow, that's fascinating. So that's hence the you know CSSM, Children's Special Service Mission. That was the special service from the Act, yes. Absolutely. That makes absolute sense now. <laughs> well, they, they deliberately use that name because mm. if, if you like, it made it sound safe uh, and if you like, part of the establishment. Yeah, no, uh, So it was deliberately Children's Special Services mm. Act uh, and the Children's Special Services Mission to show that, you know, that, that they were, although this was sort of different, it, it was very much in line with, with sort of, like, the latest law. Yeah, yeah. And of course, the ministry is, is way beyond those early days with, has broader ministry today with with schools workers and, and of course other ministry areas absolutely um, I mean on one level the most obvious change is that Scripture Union is now working in um, about 130 countries worldwide um, and so I've had this sort of incredible privilege of working uh, with Scripture Union colleagues and going either do teaching or working with kids in countries from sort of the Cameroon to Pakistan to Tajikistan and sort of wonderful privilege doing that so there's that kind of global aspect these days um, and then more locally, you've got Scripture Union staff uh, and, and uh, volunteers working in schools up and down the country, uh, sharing the love of Jesus. Fantastic. And um, some, you know, obviously those that there's a the charity dimension means that you know, you know, you can support people to go into schools, uh, you know, that they they're able to uh, to function, you know, like like a church based uh, schools worker would. Absolutely, and I, th and I think what has been always the case is that there is an openness in this country still, and not just in church schools, that if people uh, want to go in and talk about what they believe, you know, they need to do, do it in ways which are appropriate to the school setting and which are acceptable uh, and, and right. But actually there is a desire that people should be allowed to come in and talk about what they believe uh, and how they serve, and Scripture Union is involved with about um, 75 or so what we call associate ministries, which are ministries we set up uh, very locally, uh, which are supported by local uh, people, uh, by local churches. Uh, but in most cases, we're set up by sort of Scripture Union supporters uh, to have a very local impact. So from places from, you know, from Chester to Biker to Newham uh, to Sevenoaks, you've got local ministries which don't necessarily carry the name Scripture Union, but they are actually Scripture Union okay. uh, set up, so mm. Scripture Union uh, associated trusts. 
And and Tim, some of the, the the challenges that young people are facing, to which you're aiming to minister, I, I mean, listeners will be familiar with them, I'm sure. But uh, maybe you could just articulate some of the the, the different challenges today than maybe say when we were at uh, school. I suspect the biggest challenge, um, strange, is a challenge of busyness and distraction. Um, that actually, you want to be able to share Christ with kids and give them the opportunity to listen and to reflect on the presence of God. And kids live in a world where they're so surrounded by noise and busyness and constant distraction um, that actually getting them to be still and to know the presence of God is a huge, huge challenge. But actually the majority of challenges for kids today aren't necessarily that different to 150 years ago. But the challenge of distraction is the biggest. I mean, notice it, I guess, most of all, when you're traveling in somewhere like Africa, where you can go to places where, because there's nothing else happening on a Sunday, three, four, five-hour services are not unusual, and kids are able to concentrate for longer and to listen for longer. Uh, and certainly in, in a country like, uh, like Britain, uh, that is not what young people are familiar with, nor adults indeed, uh, with the result that I think distraction is probably the biggest challenge. Well, yeah. And of course, yeah, the, having smartphones for, for many, obviously for older for older children, um, you know, where you can easily get distracted away from what you're doing, even even during a, a school lesson, sadly, <laughs> um, you know, j- just just ma- magnifies that sense of busyness. Yeah. Uh, and I think that there is that, that um, we, we're all doing it uh, and we all know that we're guilty of it. But actually, I that Tim Keller uh, read a lovely piece in uh, his book about Christmas uh, in which he just talks about being made by someone to focus on one particular verse for half an hour and um, to write things down about it. And he just makes the observation. He was a group of very senior church leaders. And um, by the time the half hour is finished, the leader of the session invited uh, those who were there uh, to say how it got, you know, what they discovered and what had really spoken to the verse. And uh, some very interesting and profound things came out. And then the leader of the session said, perhaps rather obviously, how many of you discovered those things in the first five minutes, first 10 minutes, first 15 minutes? And it then became quite clear that actually the impact had come in those final few minutes of that half hour. And he just tells that story as how he, as a senior church pastor, had come to realize yet again the need to give time to those things that matter. And we live in a culture and age where we're not good at doing that. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, I mean, our, our attention, apparently our attention spans have reduced, um, particularly with the, you know, the advent of uh, electronic media. Uh, so, so I understand, anyway. Uh, and it is that strange thing, isn't it, you know, that, that the way that we're so distracted by our smartphones or, or our iPads or whatever it might be, and I'm as guilty as anybody on that, that we can have someone present with us in the room and our eyes will still be flicking down to the screen or whatever else it may be, and our inability to give the attention even to the person who's with us. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by uh, Tim Hasty-Smith. Tim is uh, the National Director of Scripture Union. It celebrates 150 years this year. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to The Leadership Farm with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Tim Hasty-Smith. Tim is uh, the National Director of the uh, Scripture Union, which celebrates 150 years uh, this year. He also serves as the House for Duty Vicar of Bilbury with Barnsley and Winston in the Cotswolds, and so combines the two uh, in his role as National Director. So, Tim, how has is, how is your um, role clarified in the kind of, in the six years or so since you've been at the helm? 
I think the thing that's become ever clearer, uh, and it's really helped having the sort of 150th this year uh, and something to work towards six years back, is that Scripture Union came into being to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with children and young people. That is first and foremost why we exist, uh, and we do so through the medium of Scripture. Um, but we now live in a culture 150 years on where the vast majority of kids don't have uh, any kind of meaningful relationship with a Christian or with a church. And therefore, the challenge for us is how do you reach that 95% of children and young people who are not actually meaningfully connected with the church or with another Christian? And that has become for us the absolute number one focus. How do we reach that 95%? And, and other children and youth ministries in a very similar place, Urban Saints, Youth of Christ, I know would sort of echo that completely. Mm. How do we reach those who are outside of the church? And I think what I found is looking after sort of say my, my little rural church where by and large we have very few kids who come along they, they come along and we do something very special it's how does a, a, an institutional church which inevitably wants to hold on to what it has and to look after its own members how does it gain the courage and the ability to reach out to the children and young people who simply are not there and to take the gospel to where the children are, very much like Josiah Spires uh, on that beach in Clandidna 150 years ago. Mm. And that is the challenge, that is the vision. Mm. And, and part of your answer is, of course, we talked before the break about about schools ministry. Uh, as someone once commented, if you're, you know, if you're in your youth work, you're not doing schools work, then you, you know, you, you're missing a very big uh, opportunity. I think again and again we found schools are very open and very welcoming. Uh, as long as one is willing to work in ways which are appropriate and acceptable to the school, uh, they want people to come and talk about what they believe. Uh, and all schools have that responsibility. It is part of the educational process. So, I mean, the digital age, of course, is, is changing the way in which book publishers have, have functioned. I mean, Scripture Union has, has long been a, a publisher. Have, have your materials um, kind of... We now include uh, the digital age, the e-books and uh, books available on Kindle, etc. Absolutely. I mean, I, th I think, in a sense, we're, we're what you might call producers of content for mission rather than publishers. Right, Our right. key focus is to produce material that will help people reach uh, children and young people with the gospel. Uh, I think increasingly that is inevitably going to be digital because kids dwell in the digital space. So a couple of years back, we set up something called Guardians of, of Ancora, which is a game uh, on, on one level. It is just a sort of fantasy game, but it's about the guardians of this land of Ancora, and they need to make the light shine, and to make the light, and sh light shine, they have to discover Bible stories. Uh, and it's primarily focused at 8 to 11-year-olds, but it just sits there as a game out in the digital space. Huge numbers have used it, both in the UK and around the world. And it is that sense of pitching a, a tent, if you like, in the digital space, making Jesus known in the digital, not trying to control it, not trying to in any way curate it, but just placing it there, a means of kids engaging with scripture uh, and engaging with the word of God. And one of the interesting elements of that has been trying to establish what you might call faith matrices, of establishing how can somebody develop as a Christian online? How do you grow in faith and how do you grow your prayer life online? And so that has been like one particular example uh, of using the, the, the digital uh, arena for making Jesus known. But at the same time, there, there's a place for sort of traditional print uh, publishing. So um, last year, uh, with Hope, uh, we, we produced uh, a little booklet to be used in schools um, to celebrate the, 
huge impact. Uh, again, just a little sort of giveaway. And it's producing things like that which, which can act as a bridge. They can act as a way into a school. They can act as a way of building a relationship um, with children, young people and their families. Uh, and so it's both. It, it is producing things in the, in the digital forum, conscious that kids live in a digital world and if they want to find out about Jesus, vast numbers of them, they could go anywhere, will go to the digital space. Uh, but at the same time, it's producing print stuff that helps build bridges uh, between Christians uh, and those who are trying to share Jesus' love with. So many of church leaders listening, of course, and uh, uh, it'd be good for, for them to know how you're looking to, to help them. They may Some may be uh, unfamiliar with uh, the script union options, so uh, maybe you could share a little bit about the, the various ways in which church leaders can tap into to what you have. Yeah, I mean, going to our website will access a, a huge library of material that's available for nothing. Uh, Bible study material, material for working in schools, uh, uh, material that's useful for sort of Sunday schools or Sunday clubs. Um, at the same time, it'll lead you to people who are in your area uh, who might be able to come and work alongside you. Because if we're to take the statistics seriously huge numbers of church leaders, including myself, have virtually no children in their churches any given Sunday. And really what we're seeking to do is say, that may be the reality. There'll still be huge numbers of children and young people who live near to your church. Let's explore ways of reaching them with the gospel. And any sort of church leader who wants to explore ways of reaching children and young people with the gospel, we would be delighted to hear from, because we'd love to work with them and explore what might be done. And actually, you then discover there are lots of people in the same boat that you are. But rather than, if you like, trying to put up the shutters and trying to just hold on to what we've got in our church building, instead to recognize how do we make Christ's love known in God's world when there are children and young people who don't have any natural relationship with the church. But it doesn't mean that they don't have a desperate need of the love of Christ. And to work with those church leaders in finding ways of reaching those kids, it may be reaching them in schools, it may be reaching them through the means of sports ministry, which is a big growth area uh, that we've invested in uh, and been working in recently, and using sport as a medium for building bridges and building relationships with kids in the community. So really, what I want to say to any church leader is we're there to work alongside you, not to give you a sort of a panacea, an easy way of doing it, uh, but to work with you and explore in your own environment what would work best for you in your place. Oh, sounds splendid. So um, go to your website and uh, find out what's there and, and as, as appropriate, maybe get in touch with you. And uh, you know, it could be that a, a number of exciting projects are birthed from, from even from this conversation as people listen. So that's great. That would be just absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Well, as you, as you reflect, Tim, on, on leading in a church and you also were headmaster in a school for 10 years, uh, are the key principles in leading others that have, have stayed with you, things you've picked up that you found valuable? very obvious one which is leadership is about service and service means listening and service means having clarity of vision but at the same time it's sharing with others and listening to others to help them understand that vision uh it, it, it you know in that, in that great book by jim collins great to good sorry good to <laughs> yeah where, where he talks about um level five leadership uh, and that whole idea that level five leadership is a combination of servant leadership with a clarity of vision about what you're trying to achieve and where you're trying to get. And, and I suppose, and, and this I think is one of the hardest things as a church leader, is not about trying to control. 
Uh, and I think when you're working within the church, when you're seeking to work under the authority of God and the Holy Spirit, that realization that if, if God is to be in charge, it means you're not. Uh, and that means you have to take not insignificant risks because you recognize you are not in control of things. Uh, God is in control. Uh, and that can be very frightening because leaders, I think, quite often have a desire to control. I know that's certainly true of myself. And therefore, that willingness to actively take the risk of saying, this is where we wish to go, this is what we're trying to do, but actually, I can't control this. If God is really within this, I cannot control it myself. Yeah. Those wise, wise words. And, and Tim, you... Uh, combine two roles of course and uh, uh, there may be some listening who who seek to do that or find that that a bit of a challenge have you got any kind of key um key tips for making it work you know being a house for duty vicar as well as a national director i I think it's it works if you're confident that the the roles you're combining genuinely enrich one another uh, and can draw from one another which i certainly believe is the case uh, within the situation I find myself. But at the same time, and I, back in September, I broke my foot, uh, put it down a rabbit hole. Oh, no good gracious. No one knew pastoral visiting could be so dangerous. Oh, boy. And, um, and, and I was laid up for sort of several weeks, unable to walk, unable to drive. And what I learned during that period overwhelmingly was I'm less important than I think I am. I knew I wasn't that important, but I'm even less important than I thought I was. And actually, life goes on. And therefore, if you're going to combine roles, it's not actually about trying to be busier, but it's trying to use one's time sensibly and thoughtfully and reflectively and not feel that you somehow got to fill every hour that God gives you because it makes you feel more important. And and again, there is that risk that leaders can become over busy uh, for, for a whole range of wrong reasons. I mean, we're all busy anyway, but one can become busy because you're trying to justify your existence either to yourself or to others. Uh, And I found that period of uh, enforced uh, sort of rest, uh, of having to face up to what are the things I really need to do? What are the things that only I can do uh, in my role as leader? Uh, And what are the things actually that I've been filling my time with because I thought they were important, only discover, you know, they're not that important really. And therefore that willingness to be ruthlessly uh, hard on your own diary and willing to cross things out and not do those things that you don't have to do. Oh, so it sounds sounds very wise, Tim. Very wise and sad, sad that you had to uh, go through pain in order to discover it. But there we go. <laughs> um, the kind of things you read, Tim, are just as we're closing, uh, any particular books you'd want to recommend? Uh, I, I read sort of extensively, and as I mentioned Timothy Keller. I love books by him. Mm. Uh, extraordinary writer Richard Rohr, uh, a Jesuit priest uh, from the States. Uh, a book I read not so long ago, which I think is absolutely fascinating and really worth any Christian leader reading, is The Rise of Christianity by Rodney Stark. I think an absolutely fascinating book uh, about uh, how Christianity became such a dominant force within the world so quickly. Uh, and it's really a work of sociology, but utterly fascinating and challenging. Excellent. Thank you. And you mentioned uh, that listeners can... Um can access Scripture Union's website. I'm sure they could Google it, but just remind us of the website address. Uh, well, our website, we're, we're at scriptureunion.org.uk, uh, and just p- put that in and you will find us. Uh, we're in the process, actually, of completely redesigning our website at the moment, uh, but uh, you are very, very welcome uh, to come and see what you can find, uh, or, or just give us a call. Um, our, our number is 01908 856 000, and if you just want to give a call,
may contact you or email us at info.scriptsunion.org.uk. Wonderful. Well, Tim, it's been fascinating to chat with you. So congratulations to, to you on behalf of uh, Script Union for 150 years as a, as a movement, as a charity. And, uh, you know, may God continue to equip you for the, the, the challenges ahead. Andy, bless you. So you've been listening to The Leadership Farm with me, Andy Peck. I was joined this week by Tim Hasty-Smith. Tim's the National Director of Script Union. That uh, website, again, is uh, www.scriptunion.org.uk. So go there, find resources to uh, encourage and challenge you in your uh, work with for Christ. And uh, maybe it is that uh, you're, you're struggling for children's ministry, and it may be that you can connect with someone in within Script Union to uh, to start or re- rebirth something that's uh, that's been happening. That would be fantastic. So thank you, Tim. For for your help today not at all really really good to speak with you Andy and uh, thank you for listening and uh, do go to Premier's website and you can find archive recordings of the leadership file including this one in due course you can also uh, go to iTunes and sign up and get uh, these recordings uh, downloaded to your listening device at your uh, convenience okay we look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30 thanks for tuning in You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's Word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.